Hey, this is Christian Potenza, and you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on Laugh Attack, XM Radio. <laughs> Even when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Okay, we're back from the break. Uh, Dave is barely alive. He's on uh, life support as we speak. Right, Dave? Yeah, that's right, Darren. You're right. You're always right, Darren. <laughs> um, anyway, we, uh, we have another taped interview we did with Anthony Jeslinik, a great comic from New York City who came up to Toronto a few months ago, and we sat down and talked to him. And here is part one of that interview of Anthony Jeslinik on Anything Goes. Enjoy. I always think it's good anytime a crowd comes out to see a show because uh, they've decided, I'm not going to sit at home, I'm not going to watch TV. Um, I'm actually going to go out to see something live, and then they almost have like that perfect, I like live experience yeah. where they're sitting there going like, "There's be no way that I could see this shit on TV. Yeah, totally. This is only happening right here, yeah. right now, and the people in this room are the only people that are going to really remember right. to see it. All the, there were all these jokes that were just for them. It was yeah. like we were on this team together. Right. We, had, we had a common enemy. Yeah. You know, and I've never had a crowd on my side like that for a whole show, and the, it was it was incredible. And every time I would, if, if I would call back to that, you know. It would go crazy. I mean, it was it was awesome. Now, what do you ever find like? Because there's always that. Like, I always I have a hard time. Uh, and there's some guys that are really skilled with it, just riding that fine line between being playfully mean and then actually just becoming a genuinely wow. This guy's kind of being a little bit vicious to this poor person in the front row. Totally. I mean, the guy in the front row never sounded like he came across as like, oh, he just wants to be a part of the show. Exactly. And I'm I'm nice to people. Like I never get I never yell. I'm like I'll just calmly go back and forth. And I know I'm I'm gonna say something eventually that gets a big laugh and I'll move on. Right. You know yeah. I want to do my show. And I don't need people to get thrown out unless they're, you know, too drunk and, and making a mess. But this kid was like, it was him or me immediately. He's probably immediately. one of those people that's like, I'm going to go to this comedy show. I'm going to say something out loud and yeah. people are going to think I'm funnier than the guy on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there are people out there. There are people who who come out and they're like, I can't wait to heckle. Right. And it's like, what is, why, where is that sense from people that... That's what you have to do at a comedy show. It's like a play. It's like yeah. a live performance. And my other know? favorite thing is I was, I was talking to the manager who, who just said great things about the show. And he, he told me about how he did the old the heckle line, bring back someone else. Yeah. Within like a minute or two of you being on stage. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite thing about that is that's happened to me too. But what a lot of people don't realize, in the first minute or two, you're just trying to feel a crowd out. You're not going to bring your A game right away. You've exactly. got 45 minutes. Yeah, it's you got to you bring your A game yeah, right you, away. You, you ease yeah. into it. You're kind of testing the waters. And for that to happen, I always feel sometimes it's almost like a buddy of that comic. Maybe it isn't, but there's always that sense of, you know that guy. And there's no way you're judging me that quickly. Yeah two or three jokes and then throwing yeah. that fucking card down. Yeah, yeah. If I had a friend that was at a show though and did that Oof. and said, bring Kathleen back oh. and I would be mortified really, right. and I would tell yeah. him never, ever come back. Yeah. I can't stand yeah. people that yell out at shows. My mom did that at a show once. My dad's done it. Oh. And I'm just like, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't draw attention to yourself. Like, I, I don't understand the psychology of it. I, like, I cannot comprehend it. I think about it all the time but it, Something's just missing. Well, so my my favorite one is always when uh, if someone in the audience yells out "next," yeah, I just the idea that there's like a factory of like comics that are just going to be pouring out. So you get, well, there is no, not this one, not this one, not this. People but there's only so many people that showed up to the yeah. show that you're yeah. at to perform. People don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. But some comics, get. but so like for me, I'm pretty aggressive and I talk to the audience a little bit. Yeah. So I don't want to say I deserve a little bit of it, but it's almost kind of set up a bit. But yeah. for you, you're not aggressive. 
You're not from the clips that I've seen, okay? You're not obviously that's not your style, yeah. and you don't talk to the audience that much. I'm assuming from the I clips do, you don't. And if I do, I'm like nice. You know what I mean? Like right. I'll joke around, but I'm not. Right. I'm not like coming at people. Yeah. So I don't. I never understood the psychology of it either. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. We were at the. I think it was the Friday early show, and there was a bachelorette party in the front row. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite things when there's an edgier comic that pushes boundaries is to watch the reaction of the audience. And <laughs> my favorite part in that show was when you lost those women because you did something about about a retard. You did a retard joke, and then they started to get mad, and then you started telling jokes about killing girlfriends and, and my girlfriend's too fat and things yeah. like that, and they, they were just having none of it, and I was just like, this is amazing. I love when this happens, yeah. but they're in the front row, so what's it like being on stage and seeing their it's, faces I mean, and trying to ignore it? I can write off a bachelorette party you know, yeah. immediately. I'm just happy yeah. that they shut up and sit there yeah. and take it. Like I, I don't expect them to really go nuts, you know, and I would like, but I, I'm watching the rest of the crowds going crazy, and there's like a lit ring of people the, all Around the only people you can see are ones that look disgusted, but you're getting huge laughs yeah. everywhere else. But there's just this in the front row, yeah. shaking of the heads and crossing of the arms. Totally. So then I would just I would just start like making eye contact with one of them and tell a joke to her, and she would have to be like, smile, you know, just to like, not feel too uncomfortable. And that, yeah. that was fun, you know. Even though she had some friends that were sort of like there was one girl in like a blazer and a red shirt or something like that. I could tell every time that you were telling a bit that you you'd tell a joke. And then she would kind of start smiling, but then she would look at the two friends beside her, yeah, and then they weren't laughing, and then yeah. she was sort of like, yeah. oh, I'll put my head down. No, yeah. I won't do this. Yeah, I don't mind if people don't like it if, they, if they're quiet and polite about it. Yeah. You know? Or even leave. I don't have a problem if someone leaves. I just have, me personally, my problem is when they try to judge other people that find something funny that they don't. Because yeah. that's, to me, like elitist bullshit. I always say that. It's yeah, like, yeah. just because your best friend is this or whatever, doesn't mean your best friend would be as upset as you are. Yeah, they're so baffled that anyone's laughing at it. Yeah. They have to say something. It's yeah. like, who do you think you are yeah. to bring this up now? I'm doing great. Do you, <laughs> do you like, um, I find that sometimes if you, if you are a darker comic and you, you're performing in a room that the, the, a lot of the audience is lit, a lot of people have a harder time laughing because yes. they're, they're like, I just laughed at a rape joke. Oh, God, this person thinks I like rape. Oh, my God. Or I just laughed at a, a joke about black guys. Oh, my God, I'm white now. I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, so, like, would you prefer to just have, like, a dark room and you can just hear the laughs and no see nobody's face? Or, you know... It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll take all kinds. You know, there's no... I really have the only preference because if I did... It's almost like in the playoffs when someone's like, all right, you're going to face one of these two teams mm -hmm. next. Right. Who do you want to face? Right. You never answer that because it's like a psychological, yeah. you know, you're not yep. going to win in that situation. So it's kind of like that for me that I just, I don't have a preference. Yeah. You know, I know they're, they're, it's, it'll be weird if the audience is really lit, you know, but then you just force yourself to make eye contact and look around yeah. and let them deal with the awkwardness. Yeah. You know? yeah. Hopefully it makes them laugh more, you know, if you do it right. Exactly. And that was part one. When we come back from the break, we will continue our interview with Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready to try and shower the filth off. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Anything goes with these cats. Am I fucking this up? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're listening to... Oh, crap, I forgot myself. Um, <laughs> Hi, this is Christina Walkinshaw, and you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Kathleen and Dave on XM Laugh Attack. Yeah! Call me. Wipe off your face. We're back. This is Anything Goes 
with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. All right, we're back from the break, and here is part two. Uh, clear your throat, Dave. Do it again. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, part two of I'm our- clearing my throat even though I have no intention. I have no intention of talking. <laughs> Okay, this is getting creepier by the minute. This is part two you of our interview. For it. You with, told me to show up today. So. Yeah, I know. It's part two of our Anthony Cheslinick interview on Anything Goes with Darren Frost. Yeah, and sometimes Dave Martin and Kathleen McGee. Oh, all right. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about because you're you're releasing a CD literally within weeks, right? I uh, know uh, the twenty first, a couple of days. Okay, a couple yeah. days. Okay, yeah. um, and this is your first CD, right? Yes. Yes. Which for a lot of people, eight years in in America. That's a long time. Because I see, I see it a lot with three or four years. Someone's yeah. throwing down a set, trying to sell it at shows. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because oh, sometimes merch yeah. is the only way you can make a living. Yeah. But you waited till year eight. And I wanted to ask yeah. you, was that a conscious thing? Absolutely, or yeah. And why was that? Uh, it's because I remember, you know, listening to comedy albums when I was a kid. And the ones that I love, like Stephen Wright's mm-hmm. I Have a Pony, I've heard a million times. Of course. Yeah. It's amazing, uh, yeah. Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer I had on, like, repeat when I was a kid. That I, like, I wanted it to be... Something I was really proud of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and I always thought I was getting better every time. And it was hard to get those longer sets together, you know, since I only do these short jokes. I think I have like eighty jokes on the album, something like that. You right. Know? And it's you have to have the stories. And I had I wanted to go and be able to tour on the road a little bit, and headline to get there. Uh, that it was, you know, a part of it was like I wanted to be ready, and part of it was I just felt I was in a place where I could do it and make it make it awesome. Because after that, it's like, it's like another plateau. You know, I feel like a lot of the I've gotten a lot better from doing certain things like doing these late night appearances. Each one kind of gives you a little more confidence. Mm-hmm. Doing the half hour special for Comedy Central gave me a lot more confidence. And doing this album now has been has been great. That I just you know I feel like more of a comedian just having put that you know behind. Right. Me. Are there are there eighty tracks on the album? Like they're no, not there. Sixty seven, seventy two. But they're all, I, I don't know. It, it's when when you look at an album like that, is it hard to sort of choose where? Like uh, this chunk of bits because goes into here, and then this chunk goes into. No, I mean I knew you know what my act was, and I knew kind of where I would break it up, mm-hmm. and I just did like two shows, you know, okay. at the UCB Theater in New York. One was a disaster, one was a great one, you know, and just used the great one. Maybe it took a couple things out, and I was very good, you know, about editing pauses and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, I think I've got a, it's a, I think it's a really strong album, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Oh, I'm cool. really excited. It's it's 25 years after Stephen Wright's I Have a Pony, mm-hmm. which I really like. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. And his last one was to you. Yeah. His last yeah. one was called I Still Have a Pony, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, one of the things that we do in the show is called, something called defending your act, and I think that every every comic at some point in their career has had to defend their act to someone. And we've talked to clean comics and edgy comics, and it's always interesting to me who they've had to defend their act to, whether it can be an audience member or a family member. And for you, if anything comes to mind, uh, which, what would probably be the one for defending your act you think would be kind of... Well, as to far about? as topics go, you know, uh, if I say cancer, you know, mm-hmm. people get people immediately uh, get super uptight with a joke. You know, I, I don't even... I have like I had one cancer joke that I don't even do anymore. I think it's on the album, actually. Right. But uh, just because it was going so well, I thought, why not? Uh, but suicide's a big one. Mm-hmm. Suicide is one that people do not want to hear a joke about. And, uh, you know, hesitate. Well, cancer, you can talk about cancer if you have cancer. Yes, or your mom had cancer or something. Right. But you have to right. do it in a very touching but way. Suicide but suicide you can't do because you're still no. here. But I, I say, <laughs> you know, I think of it as like a movie. You know, it's a movie thing where yeah. if you go to see a movie, like people talk about doing a different show at 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Yep. You know, and Jim Norton would say, no, if you go to see a movie at 7, it's going to be the same movie. Right. You know, just give them what they want. And if people read a book 
You know, and it's clearly someone someone close to them or someone they know has had su- committed suicide, or they just get upset about that idea. But if you see that in a movie, or you read that in a book, or you hear a song about someone killing themselves, you don't get that reaction. Yeah. So I'm not gonna get. Uh, so I don't feel wrong at all. And I feel like as a comic, you're supposed to talk about all those. All like I will go after. I'll be like, I've got to make jokes about retarded people because that is like the biggest taboo now that you can do. I think mm-hmm. is that or like a rape joke. I mean, I would literally consciously go after those things. Right. Uh, but the one that people get most upset about uh, are the dead baby jokes. They get they get really upset. Uh, I talk about it in my act where I had a woman, you know, come up and say afterwards, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I want you to know I've lost two babies. You know, I don't appreciate that joke that you told. It was kind of like like trying to help me, literally. Mm. I just had to be like, well, you know, like I, I mean, in, in the bit I say, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, if I'd known that, I would have told it twice. But I, I did not say that to her. You know, right, her right. I was just like. All right, you know, thanks, but it was really annoyed. Yeah, like it was was really upset that someone would think they could come up and say that. To oh me. yeah, you yeah. don't have to laugh. Don't laugh. Yeah, but don't ever think you can come tell me what I can and can't say on stage because yep. that's the point. Yeah, I think of doing this is to say those things. Yeah, yeah, because to me, I mean, I say on stage as well. It's like we can't make fun of handicapped people if they're in the crowd because everyone gets upset. Doesn't matter even if they're laughing. They may yeah. even find the joke hilarious yeah. because the liberal guilt in the room will shut that down. Yeah. But I can stand on stage and make fun of a certain ethnicity, and exactly. that's okay. Exactly. But what happens if the guy in the wheelchair is that ethnicity? Totally. You know, it's where does it stop? It you makes know? them feel uncomfortable. Right. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable sometimes. Right. You don't have the right to always feel comfortable. You don't have the right to never be offended. Right. And that's my job. So I, I, mean, I have no, I have no problem. Uh, Going now, in this it. country, I have to put warnings on the door. Like, when I do shows and headlines, it literally has to say, you will be offended, you you are probably going to be upset. Yeah. And sometimes I kind of force it because I don't want people to come in thinking they're getting Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, I use triple X rated. I don't like it because it it's kind of connotates cock jokes and dick jokes and, and yeah. nudity. But at least it's a way for people to make a decision yeah. before they come in. And at least if they make that decision, they know they may see something. Yeah. Now, for you, when you're playing certain clubs in America, is that ever a concern for the managers? Sometimes where they'll, and it annoys me when they do it. You know, I would rather have people come in and let me deal with them. Let me try to ease them into it. Because that's my goal. You know, right. to right. make, I want to make everyone laugh. Right. But I want to do it my way. But, like, let me figure that out. I, I, you know, I played a club where the guy had, like, radio things. And he used, like, he used the dead baby joke and, like, a suicide joke. And I'm like... Don't use the worst ones. I do. I have forty minutes before you like, break that up. Yeah, of, of like trying to be charming enough to get them to yep. accept to not you know revolt, much less you know laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that bugged me. You know, let let the people let the people who think they're coming to see Seinfeld come see me and let me figure it out. You know, that's mm-hmm. how do you, I let's do it. Do you think that to to be like a, an edgy comic, you do have to win people over? I had somebody once say to me that it's just easy to write dirty and edgy. And I, my response to that is, okay, you go on stage, I'll give you my jokes word for word, and see if you get away with it. Because I get away with a lot of stuff that some people might not get away with, just because of the way I deliver mm-hmm. an act. Do you think it has a lot to do? Oh, I think it's just being funny. You know, like I used to, I, and I was guilty of it too, I don't do it anymore because it like, makes me cringe when people will be like, oh, that was too edgy for you guys. Like, no. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't funny enough, you know, to, to get them over that hump. You know, you've got to really... Uh, if you're gonna tell a joke, an edgy joke, it's gotta be good mm-hmm. because people will like just hear that word and kind of turn off. You've gotta overcome that, right? And uh, and some people will just do want it to be edgy and do it badly. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, like I know there's another comic, uh, there's another comic that would say, uh, and he was talking about himself, but he would start off the joke by saying, "I'm a Jew," and then I I started remember saying it once. I was like, "Man, just just say that you're Jewish." 
Because it's almost like if people hear the word Jew, then they're always like, oh, I mean, even Louis C.K. has a bit about how the fact that like Jews are a perfectly acceptable way to, for, <laughs> to, yeah. to say what someone is, but it still somehow sounds derogatory exactly. when you say, oh, that guy's a Jew, yeah. you know, but, yeah. but it's sort of like, I just, just say that you're Jewish because people, when people hear you say, I'm a Jew, yeah. they, they're still listening to the word Jew like three or four seconds down the road from wherever your next sentence is. Yeah. So sometimes you yeah, you have to ease them into the fact that it's you're doing a joke about the yeah, fact that you've got to trick them. Yeah. You know, you've really got an edgy, an edgy joke like a, uh, George Coleman talk about shock humor. He's like a shock is just like a surprise and every joke is a surprise. Mm-hmm. There's no there's nothing less there's no there's no like you're not getting a sh- taking a shortcut by telling an edgy joke, you know. It's got to be it's still got to work. It's still got to yeah, be Yeah, for sure. See, for, for, for me, when it comes to easing in, I guess I, I take the opposite approach because, and it's probably because the clubs that I play. I think if you play certain clubs where you have that that chance of easing in, that's fine. But some of the clubs that I play, it's almost like I've kind of got to grab them by the throat and then just run for the hour. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a, just a different way of looking at it. Um, but I do think that sometimes I would appreciate the ability to ease in. Yeah. But when you're playing certain venues, I mean, I'm, you're playing predominantly comedy clubs now. Do you play any comedy kind of like bars or, or those kind of oh, gigs? Yeah, in New York, you know, I do, you know, I do clubs in New York, but I do a lot of like those, you know, bars or, you know, back rooms of, of some venue that'll, they'll let me go up and I can just do, you know, whatever. Right. But they're mostly the alternative rooms where it's like, you know, young kids coming to see me in New York. Where, yeah. Where, you know, I don't, I don't worry about them at all. Right. But yeah, as, as a comic from the back of the state, back of the room, I always want to say, no, 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 they just didn't find the joke funny. Exactly. And I mean, there's a difference between, and it's always funny how a comic almost immediately assumes, oh, these fucking people don't get it. They don't think, oh, they're offended at my yeah. jokes. Well, no, we just didn't find that one bit funny. Exactly. And then yeah. they, always, they get it. It's sort of that, that pride that people have in offending it, uh, an audience. And I think most comics, I mean, I don't, like, I don't think Darren ever tries to go out of his way or myself go out of my way to, to offend the audience. Yeah. But I just try to, you know, you do a dark joke and you hope they go along with it. Yeah. I'd rather, I don't want to offend people. I want them no. to laugh at me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know I what? I know. I, I, yeah. I, I will go on record. I want to offend people after 20 minutes of trying. If I've tried for yeah. 20 minutes to win them over yeah. and they're being dicks about things and being really bad be jerks and disrespectful and I never want to go back there again... Then I'll start doing well, it's the same time, offensive material. Same type of energy like he was talking about when you, like I, I'm not good with crowd work, but I have had a few instances where I have said something right, and I'm just like, it kind of surprises me that the audience is like, yeah, and then for the rest of the show, I'm like, we're best friends now, you know, yeah. like it's just, yeah, it's definitely like crowd dynamic. If you feel that everybody hates you in the room, then I always hate back, which is maybe not the best thing. But. I just turn off, and I'm just like, and it happens sometimes, you know, not knowing when they're going to headline sex, you've got to, like, work too hard if I do a 10 minutes in a bar, yeah. Yeah. and they and they just hate me right away, then you just kind of shut off, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to say these things out loud and get the fuck out of here, Yeah. and I, I can care less. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to dig the knife in and then start twisting it around, yeah, depending yeah. on how much they... Uh, but I try, I, I feel always feel bad if I have, like, a meltdown, I'm like, fuck you people, like, you don't know, like, <laughs> if I ever do that, and I, it's happened a, a few times, so I walk out of there being like, oh, they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just stay cool, and you're like, all right, you know, you guys don't. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro. I'm going to do this and get out of here. Then you win, you know. So where can people find more about you? Where can they get your CD? Right, so yeah, uh, the album will be out now on iTunes or Amazon.com. Anywhere you can download MP3s. You know, you can buy the album, uh, and then eventually, hopefully, it'll be in stores at some point. And uh, you know, I've got a website, AnthonyJesselnick.com. Twitter. You're everywhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Just like every I'm comic. Literally everywhere. Twitter and a, a, a website, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> do you like Twitter? I do. Uh, I got a love hate with Twitter. Yeah, like, I think every com- there's so many comics on Twitter now, and then they're funny to read, but then 
God, I hate Twitter. Yeah, I made a, I mean, my jokes are so short, it's kind of fun, it's but I, I have a separation yeah. where, you know, now I'll tweet things that I couldn't really, wouldn't even try on stage. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of fun to do. It's nice to little, promote a little bit. Yeah. And it, it's a nice place to put jokes. Like, I'll have this thought, you know, usually a stone thought that I'll be like, oh, and I'll write it down and it bombs, like on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Bombing on Twitter sucks. Yeah. And people like, the like, Facebook will comment and be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. as if I'm like, as if I'm like, Trying to put, present this as like a joke instead of just something I just thought of real fast, you know. That, but the, then I'm like, oh, I should just delete this thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I'm not a huge fan of Twitter or, or or the or blogging, but it's sort of like like blog and t- blogging and Twitter is like the it's like it's like we live in that sort of world of like that that uh, first draft. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, how much have you really worked on this? It's just, it's, come on. There was I went and saw Easy A, and there's a scene that in that movie that's actually really great. It's with the I can't remember the name of the actor. He's he's the high school teacher, and he goes. What is the use today obsession with us needing to know your every single, every single thought and every yeah. single second of the day? Like, so someone's getting a cop. Like, well, yeah. that's what does, I always say. You can have a blog. You can have everything. Does it lead to fucking people paying twenty bucks to see it? Does it put asses in the seats? And and does it actually? It's almost people work more on the promote, promoting themselves before they work Just on themselves. Deadly. deadly. Which is like, I mean, I respect the fact that you only put that you've been in eight years and you're putting out your album now. Yeah. I mean, that's and, and you want to be proud of stuff. You don't want to have something to look back on. Go no. Oh man, why did I put that forty five out when yeah. there's a better one that like, I had? Like and I've always felt the way. Like if I got turned down for like you know Comedy Central presents like a half hour special one year, I'd be like, I, w- I would kind of take that in and you'd be disappointed for a second, and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to be better next year. Yeah. Right. You know? And then you, that's it. That's the only yeah. attitude you, you can yeah. have. Because if you, if you don't, it'll eat you up. Yeah. Also, you gotta always got to remember yourself that the industry will always be there. It's yeah. not like, you know, like, oh, man, I didn't get a show this year. And, like, they're going to be like, okay, well, we're shutting down comedy forever. Boom. <laughs> no more jokes. No more stages. No more laughs. That was it. That was your one chance. Just keeping your head straight. You yeah. Know? You don't want to lose your mind because you didn't get a special. And then you just you go off the rails. You know, you got to just keep on plugging away. And also, it's just, and also, it's like just perspective, too. It's just a matter of that, just to know that, like, well, and it's, it's like Last Comic Standing or any sort of awards show. You just think, like, well, you know, whenever I saw comics on Last Comic Standing, to be like, oh my God, this is what I've been working for my entire life. It's like, yeah, but you started comedy before this show existed. Yeah. It's like, you can't, don't yeah, start, yeah. don't start making shit up just because you're in front of a camera yeah. and they're going to put that clip on yeah, TV. Yeah, you didn't get you. funnier because you got picked to do a reality show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Uh, well, uh, well, thanks a lot for coming down and uh, sitting with us. I had to be here. Thank you guys. For <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, we were the guys. Yeah, thank yeah. us for yeah. showing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When we come back from the break, our final interview with uh, Full Voice Dave Martin, Kathleen McGee, and me, Darren Frost, with Anthony Jeselnik. Sometimes joy is a four-letter word. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Hi, this is Dean Stockwell, and you're listening to... Anything Goes with Darren Frost on Laugh Attack XM Radio. Smoother than a stripper's area. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Okay, we're back from the break. When Dave has been doing voices on The Simpsons as a sister as, as to Marge, Selma... No, even, I had to tell you who those people yeah, were. exactly, Dave. You did it during the break. Patty the, and Selma. Yeah, the power of fucking radio, all right? They didn't know that. But you just had it out yourself. That's fine. You're smarter than me. Uh, no, no, I'm not. All right. 
Uh, well, here we one. go. Here we go with part three of her interview with Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> right, Dave? Yeah, I had to ruin. I had to ruin your witty. Yes, part three. Here we go. So uh, I was checking out your your webpage and your tour uh, dates, and you still do a fair amount of colleges, or at least you have some coming up, mm-hmm. right? And which is, I don't want to say surprising, because a lot of people I know don't do a lot of colleges that do edgy material yeah. because of the whole PC landscape. Yeah. Especially up here in Canada, it's, it can be pretty PC. Oh, totally. Um, is that a problem for you? Do you change your act, or are you just doing what you do and hopefully there's no repercussions? Uh, I do what I do. I mean, I'll, if, I'll ask them what should I not talk about, and right. I'll open with it. If you know, I mean, you just trash the school. I'll open with you know, thank uh, congratulations on getting into your safety school, yeah. and then just go from there and just keep crushing them because that's you know kind of what they enjoy. And, and I think the people in charge of bringing the talent to the school, or the talent, the comedians to the school, right? Uh, they they want it squeaky clean. Yeah, you know, so there's like a thing called NACA, which is like the yeah. national, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Whatever, and they want nothing to do with me. But a kid at a college who's in charge of it will will ask to bring me out. You know, and he'll book me privately. So I'm not I'm not responsible to like a big organization that's going to give me a bunch of dates. Right. Just with that school, and you know, chances are I'm probably not going to come back to that school, and not when these people are here. So who cares? I'll do I'll do my act, and sometimes yeah. it goes great, sometimes it doesn't, but. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. You so know, I don't have. Do you, do you have a, do you have an ideal crowd that you show up? Because I mean, like, I'm sure like all like all four of us like have show crowds that we can, like we'll we'll see people in the audience go, oh man, this is. Is there like is there like a uh, like the worst case scenario crowd for you, and is there a best case scenario crowd for you? Uh, my, my favorite, you know, everybody wants to kill with everyone and have everyone going nuts. Sure. So my favorite is like a fifty fifty crowd. Yeah. Where it's like some people going nuts, and I feel like the people start laughing harder because half the crowd is mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Uh, for me, uh, there's not really a nightmare scenario anymore, but uh, but if I see like you know just like a ton of girls, like a bunch of like hot chicks coming in, yeah. all dressed up, hot, yeah. and they like want to come in and be the show, I'm like, this is not. Yeah. They're not gonna like it. And if the more the more of those you get. I think that's every comic's worst crowd is a bunch of hot chicks that think they're cool. Yeah. Well, I want to shout stuff. Well, because they yeah. they're always used to attention, and you know it's gonna be a problem yeah. because they don't have the attention that night. Well, I've yeah. seen comics like Patrice O'Neill. Take down a really hot chick because they're like they're there expecting them to be like, oh you're a beautiful girl yeah but he'll say something and then he will just trash her and trash her almost to tears and I I'm sitting there being the chunky average girl going yeah yeah Get I, I hate the girl who just sits there and goes oh that's awful yeah I mean it like goes laughing but it just keeps going that's awful like it, yeah. like why. Do you get to do that? Uh, yeah. And then I'll, I'll kind of go after a little bit. But, well, we were, we were talking on Friday that was like, um, so we could almost tell that that crowd, the, that bridal bridesmaid, bridal shower that showed up, whatever the fuck they were called, want to call them, so bachelorette party. Yeah. They, they showed up. You almost tell that like they wanted to sit in the front row. And we were we were on Friday. We were saying if I ever had a comedy club, and if you want to sit in the front row, you're sitting in the back. And if you're if you don't care where you sit, then you get to sit in the front row. Because yeah. uh, but it's just when like I said, you know, when people go out and they want to be the show, like go find a karaoke bar. Or something oh, like totally. That. I feel like everyone expects like that whole crowd expected Ray Romano. You know, what I mean? maybe not Ray Romano, yeah, but somebody like that who would come up and kind of play with them a little bit and tell yeah. jokes that they would laugh at yeah. and have a great time. But that's not. Can't it can't be Seinfeld every week, yeah. is what yeah. I say. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of style, there's got to be, you know, prop acts. I'm not that elitist. There's got to be, you know, uh, impressionist. There's got to be yeah. dirty comics. Yeah. You know, I love Brian Regan because I can't do what he Absolutely. does. Absolutely, yeah. But it can't be Brian Regan every single week. Yeah. And but audiences sometimes can't really wrap their head around that. They just don't know. They just show up. Yeah. You know, expect hoping that it's the best, and then, uh, I mean, I don't know what to tell these people. It's so. It's so weird the way people treat comedy as opposed to different any kind of different art form. You know that uh, mm. 
I feel like they get what they deserve, you know, yeah. when they get in there. Well, you've had, you said that uh, somebody was mad at you because they came to a show, and then the next day they came back, and they were like, uh, you just did the exact same act. Yeah, yeah, that's usually, that's usually a girl <laughs> thing. When you meet a girl after a show, and she's like, you were so funny, and then you'll be like, oh, I'm doing another show tomorrow night, come out, we'll go get drinks afterwards. Yeah. Come off stage, and like, that was the same thing. And you're like, yeah. A lot of people do the same shit when they go to work every day too. Yeah. But no yeah. one's like, "Hey, you, yeah, you, uh, you uh, went into that file cabinet the same way that you did yesterday yeah. too." You the, were mentioning like that the colleges, the NACA doesn't want anything to do with you, but the kids at the college do. Why do you think bookers don't put their audiences' taste into perspective? Like, they're booking a college gig. College kids want. A lot of them like dirty, edgy comedy, and they still think that they've got to censor everything for them. Why because do you I, think that is? Because I feel like the people who book those things, like the adults who do it, think that comedy is squeaky clean yeah. or filthy talking about pussy you yeah. know, the whole time. And they don't understand anything in between. Right. So they just lump you into that category, you know. And I'm like, and I'm a dark comic, but I don't think I'm particularly dirty. You know, I, have, I swear a couple times. Yeah. I have a couple sex jokes, but not really anything like... Nothing that they would More really... More controversial topics yeah. when you yeah, talk exactly. about rape, abortion. Exactly. But you're not talking, yeah, pussy, dick, or anything like that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, sucky, yeah. fucky jokes. Yeah. yeah. But once you get to the school, I mean, even people who do NACA. I know, like, Daniel Tosh did... Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a whole new five-minute set just to submit to NACA. Got it. Went to this thing, like, did, like, a, you know, a, a pretty clean ten-minute set. And then when he gets to the college, does whatever he wants, and the kids yeah. love him. Love him, yeah. It's, it's almost like it's an obstacle you've got to get. It's just you've got to you've got to fool these bookers into thinking, okay, they're okay, but then do what you do at the college. Because in the end of the day, they're not going to be able to argue with a bunch of, with, with you know, like, a thousand kids going crazy and enjoying themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah, never. They can't be like, well, we'll never book you But even if, they, even if they do, like you said, you're probably you've not going to be going back to that college yeah. within two or three years and a new person booking it anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess we, you know, we were all talking about where, uh, where, you, where you, you said you're originally from, uh, was it Philadelphia? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh yeah. But you said you started stand-up in, in Los, Los Angeles, Angeles yeah. which, you know, you said on Friday, which is kind of weird because most people start at somewhere yeah, else yeah. and then go to L.A. to start. Yeah, I was already in L.A., and I mean, I told people I didn't know any better. You know, I was doing it for a couple of years, and someone was like, oh, yeah, you never start in L.A., and I just didn't know, but I think I... I kind of got lucky, just you know, just attacked it in the right way. Yeah. And uh, some people, I think, people fall into a trap where they try to put themselves out there immediately. Somebody just stand up for a couple months and yeah. wants headshots, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. is submitting the managers. And it's like, no, 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 no. you've got years right. of just doing this, and you hope no one sees you for those couple of years. You know, people in LA, there's mm -hmm. people watching all the time. Well, that's um, another big thing that I, I always have issues with when, when people put their amateur sets on like Facebook and YouTube yeah. and MySpace. This is my first so, act. Yeah, it's, it's it's like watching someone practice their guitar. You know. Yeah, but you're also I, I understand because the comic must be so proud. You know, I remember my first set. I thought it was a masterpiece when I watched it. Really? <laughs> I watched it all over and over again. And now, like, I could not oh. yeah, watch it to save my life. And if you saw you, I mean, you would die. Um, like, well, I know I have my very first set on tape, and I yeah. cringe when I listen to it. Yeah. And I, yeah, when you get off stage the first time and people were laughing, you kind of walk. Like this isn't so hard, yeah. and then you do it a second time and bomb, and you're like, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you yeah. think that comics these these days, because of YouTube, because of those things, do you think that they think it's just super easy that Dane Cook just hit overnight? That I think you just don't understand the time frame. Like I remember when I started, I thought I was right around the corner from getting discovered. You know, getting that first job. I had a day job for you know, uh, five or six years of doing comedy. How long have you been doing comedy for now? Uh, eight years now. Okay. And I mean, I had had TV credits, you know what I mean? And, and was still had a day job, uh, the whole time. It would drive me crazy. But, uh, but yeah, finally just uh, the, the writer's strike happened in Los Angeles and everyone got laid off. And I had been working on a TV show as like an accounting clerk. I got laid off 
and comics who were working was just like, right, let's all go on the road and started taking me out and I, you know, didn't have to... Oh, that's to awesome. Back. Yeah. That's what I like about America and their comedy is that a headliner likes you, so they take you out and they de- they help you develop and they oh, get you going. Totally. And the good headliners will bring a good opener and yeah. help them. In Canada, it's very different. It, you're with a where you're with an agency unless you're independent. But even if you're independent here, they stick you with three, two other people. There's no rhyme or reason or why to why you're with yeah. them unless they're booking it as a show. But do you would do you think it's like who helped you out? Well, there's a lot of that in America too. You know, most it's, it's like a perk to be able to bring someone out. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say and there's a lot of clubs in America that are like that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. especially I mean, some guys will be like, you can come with me, but you've got to pay your own airfare. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have guys. You only make five hundred bucks yeah. you know, for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so you can't make a living if you're not selling CDs and T-shirts, which I wasn't. But luckily, I was with uh, uh, I think Doug Benson took me out. The first guy to take me out, I he love would Doug he Benson. would fly me out <laughs> with him too, mm-hmm. and make sure I got a hotel, and then I get the five hundred bucks. And he was like, and I would eat it when I first went out like I just didn't understand my first weekend was doing like Christmas parties in Grand Rapids Michigan <laughs> and eating shit like so bad that I was like did, did I make a mistake you know what I mean and Doug was like you're doing fine like keep on coming out Brian Posehn did the same take me out a lot and those two guys really helped me out where uh, where just you know I, I never bent for the road you know I just kept on doing what I was doing because I had these two guys saying yeah you're great these guys don't get it. Just keep yeah. doing it. We don't have like that, but I mean, to me, Darren Frost helped me out incredibly when I first started. I went out when I was here for a year and I saw him, and Darren always has helped me ever since. Yeah. And I think that if you show respect to other comics, instead of just coming in and saying, I'm going to take your place, yeah. come in and say, I want to watch how you did it, I think a lot of comics these days aren't doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think one of the you know one of the reasons I got into comedy, and I think most people, if they were really honest, would say it was because you want to hang out with other comedians. Yeah. Of like, course. It seems it's like the, the biggest yeah, thing. They're the coolest. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some guys got into it for chicks, and some guys, you know, totally. so for attention, but I think some of that kind of falls by the wayside. Yeah. If you're in it for longer than two years, oh, yeah. you know, believe me, there's no chicks, there's yeah. not that much. It's yeah. The camaraderie definitely takes oh, over. Yeah. I mean, being being able to like sit at a table in New York across from like Louis C.K. Yeah. And just like, be like talking, just a normal conversation mm-hmm. is incredible that you just get to be in that same space, mm-hmm. you know, which which uh, which really which really thrilled me. So, it's yeah, it's great to get to go out with someone. I, I think a lot of it is uh, people, some people feel threatened by you know, younger people. So you got to find someone who's like a little different, makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys like to take girls out on the road with them. Yeah. It's so different and yep. they're fun to hang out with, you know, uh, that, yeah, it's, it's tough to find the right, the right, uh, combination. You know, I, I, I sometimes think too, that like, like with the internet and MySpace, Facebook, all that shit and YouTube, it's like, I think a lot of younger comics can almost, almost get this sort of false sense of security because they can have these sort of these like little things that seem like they're a big deal. Like, Hey, look how many people watch my clip on YouTube, you know, but that doesn't like what does that really mean? Because yeah. I mean at the end, you know, you're just going to be judged on your act. Totally. And, and, it's, and it's it's consistency, you yeah. know, which which is way more important than people realize when they start out, you know. 2 years is nothing. Right. You know, uh, and you get, really got to pay your dues and I think people will kill once and think like, oh, I've got to send this tape everywhere. You just need to kill all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Stephen Ru- uh, uh, Steve Martin was like, you know, be undeniably good. Yeah. Right. And that's how you make it. That's it. There's no, there's no shortcut at all, and people refuse to believe that. Yeah, if you're doing well at every show, there's no way someone can be like, no, we're not going to book you. Like, well, I, I'm consistent. Like, that's the thing that, that you have to get, right? Yeah. you got to get consistent. Yeah. You, we were saying that uh, on Friday, too, when you, were, uh, you know, when you told me how long you've been doing it, and then I've, like, I know that Bill Cosby said once, it takes 10 years to find your voice. Yeah. You, who's, who said that to you? Louis C.K. Louis yeah. C.K. said years. that. Right? I believe that. Yeah. I've been doing 18 years. I think 10 years is the mark. There's, I think there's hurdles. I think four years is a hurdle. 
Like year one is a hurdle because you, you bomb and you don't do great. I think year four is a hurdle because you start to realize you may not only want to do jokes for the audience. Mm-hmm. And year ten, I think you start to find your own voice and you start to write for yourself. Yeah. And then it pa- becomes kind of that. second nature. Like I, you know, I'm at eight uh, and I and I can feel myself getting way more comfortable. Yeah. You know, and things and I've gotten lucky and you know getting certain things early, finding a voice you know pretty early. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really looking forward to the ten year mark. And I still feel like you know ten years is like that first. Oh, yeah. You know, big one, but there's more, you know. Like graduating eight, you know. high school. Exactly. But it is exactly. funny because guys like someone like Dane Cook or even Louis C.K., people think that they're overnight sensations. And they But, I mean, forever. both of them have been doing it longer than I have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember seeing Louis C.K. in the late 90s at the Laugh Resort, which was a small club here, yeah. uh, when he was just based out of New York. None of the theaters, none of that. He Obviously, he'd worked with Chris Rock, but he loved comedy so much he stuck with it. And yeah. But yeah, definitely ten years. Like I remember seeing like Louis C.K. probably probably at those same shows mm-hmm. that Darren was talking about, and I don't know how many years Louis Louis C.K. was in at that point. Would he been probably would have been four or five? No, he'd been doing it longer than four or five years. Well, maybe 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 eight or ten. No, if it yeah. was eighty nine, if it was ninety, this was like ninety seven, I think. Ninety seven, ninety. But like I remember Louis C.K. at that point was just he was more playful with his comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot, like a lot more surreal and a lot more goofy. And I know in some of the other sort of HBO special he's done, it's more talking about more family and kids and stuff. So even I think even at like ten years, you can sort of like you turn things over and you can find a, a newer voice. Oh yeah. And saying, but if you had to describe you, uh, if you had to say that you're were, you were a cross between like this comic and this comic, like how would you? Because I mean, you know, it's always like civilians that always want you to describe oh, yourself always, like that. Older people say Stephen Wright. Younger people say, you know, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, some people will say, you know, we'll get Jack Handy. I would, I always say like, like a mean Jack Handy is the, is the only thing I like to say. But that, you know, only describes it a little bit. Yeah. People love to like put you in the, in the, the box. They, they always they want, want to see who you are. Yeah. But yeah. in the end, you're yourself, and that's the best comics, the people who are themselves. Because number one, you're original. There's no way you can be stealing jokes if you're telling from your true self. Yeah. And if if you want to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. In my opinion, you have to be yourself. That doesn't mean you can't be a character, but you have to be true to yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Because exactly. it's the ups and downs are so high and low that you just won't make it through. All right. That was fun, wasn't it, Dave? Wasn't that the best episode of all time? Sure. Yeah, wasn't yeah, that it was, great? It was a blast. It was amazing. That yeah. was our New Year's show, Dave. Our New Year's show or our Christmas show? That was our New Year's show, Dave. Our New Year's Okay, all right, our New You're Year's so show. You're so fucking hungover, you don't even Shut know where up. we are. Please be quiet. Oh, my God. Just Anyways, do your thing. please join us in 2011, where there'll be many times we're hungover, being honest and truthful about the state of Canadian comedy and pop culture and all that stuff Dave and normally in, says off the top. Events in the news. Events in the news. And here he is when he's not fucking his wife, Darren Frost. Isn't that the intro, Dave? Uh, well, it, in earlier episodes it was, but yeah. then we dropped that. We dropped that because my wife wasn't too happy about that. Oh, Anyways, oh, she, oh, she listens to the show. No, she doesn't. I just okay. tell her back in my own way. And, oh. man, you think you get hacked on, on the show. You should hear it when I tell my wife. Anyways, uh, if you have any questions or concerns about Dave's health uh, and is aware of us. Nobody does. Nobody does. You can always contact us through uh, telephone at one eight seven seven xm laugh or on the internet at XM or sorry, laugh attack at xmradio.ca. And until then, Dave Martin World, find Kathleen on Facebook. You can always find me sober at comedyhorror.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. I smile and wave.